Welcome to the Trust Your Gut Podcast. I'm your host, Demi Fair. Here we dive into the world of the mind-body connection, exploring the gut-brain axis, microbiome, and nervous system while harnessing the power of intuition and connection to spirit. If you struggle with chronic digestive and mental stress and are tired of trying just one more diet or supplement to address your symptoms, then this is the place for you. Join me as we learn from the world of science and medicine, but also from nature, our own inner knowing, and personal stories. Thank you for tuning in, and now it's time to trust your gut. Hello and welcome back to the Trust Your Gut podcast. So I'm going to continue on the travel stories series in this episode and we are going to be covering Southeast Asia. So this is wrapping up the first year of my travels that I spent in Asia. So the first two episodes before this covered my initial arrival to Asia, which was in Thailand which is part of Southeast Asia, but I focused a lot that first episode on my time in Nepal and then the second on my time in India. And then after my time in India, I made my way back to Southeast Asia. So that is going to be covering arriving in Malaysia, going to Laos and then Cambodia and Vietnam. Before I get into the series today, I was just reflecting on the way that I put out the podcast episodes. And I know for many other podcast hosts, they maybe have a certain day of the week that they consistently release episodes. And in the, gosh, maybe it's been almost two years now. Maybe it's been more that I've been doing this podcast, I've never had a consistent day. (laughs) And that is something I'm just really accepting and embracing about myself. And that's just how it feels for me with creating this kind of free content that I do here on the podcast and on my social media. It really needs to come at a time I'm feeling inspired and motivated to do so. So I have found that doing it forcefully when it's not really feeling inspired or when I have a lot of other things on my plate that are a priority because you know my clients and my program are always going to come first as a priority before you know putting out this free content. So that all being said, I just want to acknowledge that and remind you that the best way to know when a podcast episode has been released if you want to know, is to subscribe because then you'll see it show up in whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and you'll always know when a new episode is out. I believe in, you know, the future I will probably have a consistent day that I released episodes, but for right now, this is just what works best for me, Uh, especially just a one woman show here running this business i can see in the future if i have more support that being a a thing that is easier to do so subscribe if you want to know about the newest episodes 
got a lot more coming out in the travel story series this one is wrapping up that first year in asia and then we'll be visiting australia new zealand europe central and south america so definitely got quite a few to go (sighs) all right um last announcement i have is that i have been really busy upgrading my group program gut brain healing toolkit i'm shifting the way that i'm running it different tiers of involvement and investment and i've been re-recording videos making the flow of it better trying to set people up for more success uh, after i did the first round and got all the information and videos out there created put into the modules i was able to take a step back and look and say okay what can i do to make this better make it flow easier for people set people up for more success so i have been busy doing that and it is almost ready i don't want to put out a specific date at the moment because i really want to feel complete with it and i'm giving myself that time and space to continue taking that step back and looking at what might need to be further tweaked, fine-tuned, upgraded, but I'm really close. So if you're interested in this program, I encourage you to get on the wait list. I'm going to just do a little secret, probably, announcement to the wait list, opening up the doors and offering a special bonus and discount as a thank you for showing your early interest before I open it up to the public. So get on the wait list if you're interested and you can find that in the show notes. That will just take you to the page that describes everything about it. That page is going to be upgraded because I am shifting around some of the structure, but it gives you the general gist of what the program's about and what's included. I'm really excited about this program and I'm really excited about the upgrades I've been making. All right, let's get in to the episode about my time wrapping up the first year in Southeast Asia. Now I'll say this, this was like the last couple months of that year and things started to get pretty difficult, challenging, heavy Again, as I start recording these, I don't really know where we're going to go. I'm going to share what I remember, and I'm thumbing through my journal as I go. I haven't read through it before, so this is kind of like you're with me on this journey of remembering. But I do remember this being quite a challenging time. So I had had this really potent, powerful, nourishing time in India being Uh, alone in India, going really deep into my healing process, having all these realizations about what was going on with my gut in a way I hadn't thought of before, you know, having been so hyper-focused on food and it must be my diet and my diet needs to be perfect and maybe the right supplementation and I need to like exercise a lot. Coming from that background around my gut issues to going, wow, I think I have been pushing my body too much. I've been too stressed. I've been too stressed about what I'm eating. Maybe it's not so much about the food. Maybe it's more about my history, 
um, since I was a child. Oh, wow, look at these traumatic things that I went through. Look at this stress that I went through. Look at these things that I just held on to that I couldn't express. So I started to just have these new realizations. I also had visited, you know, a couple different Ayurvedic doctors and met random people who, you know, read my birth charts or read my energy. And there was kind of this theme of you need to soften. You've been, you know, too busy, too stressed, too go, 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 too hard, too in your masculine energy. You need to soften. You need to slow down. And so I started to bring more mindfulness to eating. I actually started to explore eating gluten uh, in this time. And I think some dairy, which had been a thing I'd like been restrictive about and really afraid of eating and I started to think well maybe it's not so much about the food but more about like how I'm feeling when I'm eating it and what I'm thinking about and if I'm stressing about it if I'm having anxiety about it you know maybe it's more about like my overall state of being in my nervous system, right? So again, this is kind of like seeds. Seeds had been planted back in university as I began to learn about the mind-body connection and somatics. But then in these travels, both through my own exploration and then what I was being reflected back to by some of the doctors or people I met, I started to water that seed more about maybe it's not so much about the food, but more about my nervous system in general. Even if I didn't have that as the specific wording then, this is when those seeds were being watered that obviously now have fully grown. So I came from being in that space. I wasn't drinking alcohol. Um, I had, you know, sat with ayahuasca for the first time, explored all these different healing arts. I was just feeling like I was taking really good care of my body. And then I flew to Malaysia to meet my boyfriend. And I was starting to feel really unhealthy. Part of that was because I started to drink again. There was starting to be more partying. That's just kind of like the atmosphere in the places that we were traveling in Southeast Asia. Um, I was getting bad sleep. I was starting to eat like kind of crappy food, just more processed food and things didn't feel as good. And so this is from my journal at the very beginning of that time, being, being there in Southeast Asia and having a bit of that lifestyle change. I was saying, you know, my well-being is beginning to suffer. Is this what life will always be like for me, an ongoing struggle to find balance and health? Or am I so caught up in this search that I believe I'm unhealthy even when I'm not? I'm so fucking confused. I brainwashed myself into believing that avoiding certain foods were good for me. Now I've changed that again, but feel so concerned that I've been wrong. I don't even know what's right for me anymore. I spend way too much of my time and energy worrying about my body, digestion, and what I'm eating. I'm driving myself fucking crazy, and I've been doing this for years. When will I just stop and allow myself to live my life? Ooh, I really feel that. Um... And I'm sure many of you can relate to that. You know, I go on to realize that like being home, being in a routine allowed for more healthiness, but you know, traveling, it was more difficult. And that, you know, I can try my best. And also was questioning like, do I need to care less? You know, caring is a good thing, but 
maybe all this stress and concern and preoccupation with my body and how it might be going through these shifts is further aggravating it, further driving that stress and anxiety, which I'm sure, you know, if you've tuned in to just the mind-body connection and the gut-brain connection, you'll know that that's some truth, that anxiety you have about your digestion or what you're eating can further fuel your actual gut symptoms and, and physical symptoms. And there's another entry here where I'm talking about, you know, I'm currently dealing with some serious body issues. So I had started feeling really constipated, having really irregular bowel movements, feeling really bloated. And I'm talking about how it was causing me a great deal of stress and anxiety, self-consciousness and depression. Because, you know, when you work so hard and, you know, before I left for Asia, I was actually um, feeling probably the best I had in my digestion in many years. I had um, been very committed to a, a specific diet. Now I was also over-exercising. I was still like probably drinking too much, not sleeping enough. I wouldn't say I was in a, a healthy space, you know, when I look back at it now. Um, and there might've been some level of using that to like cope with my father's death. But I think I also was just so sick of feeling crappy that I... I found, you know, this one woman essentially doing a candida diet and I was like, I'm going to do that. That's what I need to do. And I did feel better. I did feel better. But um, was it a sustainable thing? I'm not sure. So here I am, you know, I, I started off this year feeling really great. And then I went through all these stomach bugs throughout Nepal and India and um, it, antibiotics. And I, I might have mentioned I got bit by a dog. <laughs> when I was in Thailand. So I ended up having to do antibiotics for that too and rabies shots. And so, you know, my body and gut had just been through a lot that way, but also you have to consider like this constant travel, your gut, your body loves routine. So when you're traveling like this, it's a stressor on the body and being a more stressed, anxious fight or flight person, who's trying to do everything like that was further driving that I did have this really nurturing healing time in India but now I'm kind of back into the fast pace go 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 flow a little bit more partying and I I feel my body start to respond right away and um I started it made me really start to like not enjoy my travels and I was feeling at a loss I had no idea what to do I started to look into all this stuff I write here about how I found a web page written by a man who claims too much fiber is the problem <laughs> and I'm like oh my god I'm like I can feel this now in my body still you know I'm like or is this caused by travel is this because I'm eating gluten now or is it white flour is it coffee is it alcohol is it dehydration is it not enough sleep is it not enough exercise is it stress and then I write in capital letters I have no idea the problem is that this causes me stress and anxiety which doesn't help I have so many different ideas floating around my head from different sources claiming that this is right this is wrong and many contradicting things to each other so what the hell is right for me so again, I'm like, I really feel this because this is what I hear from so many clients and people who reach out to me. I imagine many of you have been in this place, maybe are in this place. And it's, it's, it's interesting to look back now where I'm at and, and see, you know, this, this deep struggle at this time. I go on to like reflect on 
okay, well, when I was here, I was feeling this way. And I, I remember this so clearly becoming a thing for me um after this time as i went on in the next couple years especially in australia like keeping food journals of all my symptoms and things i ate and like keeping journals of how i felt and how my bowel movements are which honestly just causes me like so much anxiety right now to think of because that was like so horrible to do and i'll get into that more in the australia episode but i see that this is like starting here um just so much stress about why this is. And I'm aware that like stressing over it is making things worse. And I'm trying to accept the situation and tell myself I'll be home soon. I'm going to do the best I can. You know, I also wasn't able to get like a lot of exercise during this time. Um, and you know being in like different places and like sharing bathrooms and hostels and stuff didn't allow for the most comfortable you know private bowel movement experiences um that was something actually when i was really young i could never go poop at like a friend's house or someone else's house i could only poop at my house and i remember going to summer camp like just like daytime camp and i could never poop there at the camp like the toilet smelled so gross and i I remember that i really struggled i could i could never poop anywhere else and i i remember this clearly too now it's not a problem thank god but when i was you know, younger up through my teenage years, it was so difficult for me to go poop in a public bathroom. Um, and when I was even at my house, I always wanted to have the fan running when I went poop. So there was noise so no one could hear me. And even to this day, even though I live alone, oh my gosh, I have a habit of turning on the fan in the bathroom when I go poop. I don't need to do that. I live alone. No one's going to hear me. But like, it is still a habit that brings me comfort. So here's some things like kind of cycling back from my younger years when I dealt with a lot of, I guess, like bathroom anxiety and constipation. And here, like things are starting to emerge again. So you can kind of see this theme of like kind of going through this like time of healing and things are starting to feel good. And now sometimes on our healing journey, these these things kind of get excavated back up you know, kind of the more challenging things so that they arise so that I can heal them deeper. So when I look back at this time, I think of it as that is something that was going on potentially. And um, I got really into researching. That would become a theme for me over the next years. I had already been into like researching and trying to figure out what was wrong with me for, you know, probably the five years prior. Um... But I was definitely researching, um, which was causing more stress. I also just didn't feel good in my body. I felt really bloated and I started to have body image issues come back up. I guess they had felt pretty good before my trip just because I had been feeling good in my body. But now issues coming back up where I was feeling fat. I, and I, I had gained some weight. Because again, I was traveling, you're eating differently, your body's under stress, like your body might gain weight and change and shift. And, you know, my gut was so off. Um, 
And so I was starting to really mentally struggle with my, my body image and my weight and my bloating at that time. So I'm just really trying to paint the picture of like everything that was going on over this like couple month period. Cause this just kind of kept getting worse and worse and worse over that time. Um, and as I look through my journal here, I, I see how I'm really trying to like pep talk myself and you know, I'm home in two months, like embrace who you are, embrace how your body is, it's badass, you know, it's looking good after 10 months of travel, like as long as you're going to the bathroom every day and you're doing well, you're gonna be just fine. You know, you're with someone who loves your body, like who do you need to impress? It's all about how you feel, like remember you're traveling, remember you've dealt with all these stomach bugs, like just like, I'm like really pep talking myself throughout this journal and understanding, like really coming to understand that link between the stress and anxiety around my body and food is further driving my symptoms. Um, so this was a really good thing to go through. Like this is me like really making that link and really like establishing that foundation of understanding the gut brain interaction. And I think probably again, watering that seed of understanding my constant experience of anxiety and fight or flight, you know, chronic stress throughout my life is and was just further aggravating my digestive symptoms. Anyway, so I went to Malaysia met up with my boyfriend. We were there for a very short period of time. It was just kind of like a meeting spot. We ate some really good food. Um, and then we made our way up to Cambodia. We went to Siem Reap and we biked around Angkor Wat, which was just absolutely incredible. I've never seen a place like that. I remember it being so humid, just like sweating, like feeling disgusting by this point my clothes were just like stained and stretched and like absolutely disgusting oh my gosh there's pictures i have in my mind that we've taken where i'm just like i'm looking ragged you know and like i'm not feeling good in my body (laughs) um but i do remember that being like such a beautiful beautiful time and um Unfortunately, I ended up getting um, like like uh, the, the, the typical kind of way someone steals your purse there is they can drive by on a motorbike and snatch it and rip it off and, and then they're gone. And oh, I remember like going out this one night and seeing Reap and having this intuitive knowing of like not using that specific purse or, or something like that or not bringing some of my cards or something, but I didn't listen to that. I used that purse. I brought whatever it was that, you know, I had this intuitive knowing about. And on the way, walking back to our hotel, um, someone on a motorbike came by and just ripped my purse off. So I ended up losing my phone and my debit card. (laughs) So now I had no phone or money. And we were still, you know, going to be traveling for another month and a half or so. I don't know. Um, so that really sucked. Luckily, I had a little iPad mini so I could, like, do anything on the internet I needed. I wasn't really using my phone to make calls anyway, so it was just data. 
And I think I had my mom like wire transfer me some money. Now at this point too, I was running out of money. Like I had like almost no money left at all. So now there was this extra stress around money. Do I have enough money to keep going? I'm going to have to be really cheap. There was kind of this like, I guess, end date in mind, like wanting to get through Cambodia and Vietnam. And I think it was like flying home in December for Christmas. And there was no reason I had to necessarily stay until then, but um, I really wanted to. So that happened. Um, I don't know if there was anything else really about our time in Siem Reap or Anchor Wat to talk about. Um, but then we took like an overnight bus to Phnom Penh. And unfortunately on that overnight bus, here's another commonplace, you might get pickpocketed. We were like in a sleeper bed and my boyfriend had his like wallet in his pocket of his pants as he was sleeping and some one managed to reach into his pocket and steal his wallet while we were sleeping. Oh man. So we woke up and I don't know if he noticed right away or it was like after we got off the bus, you know, you could tell like the bus people, this happens all the time. There was like nothing to do. So now both of us have had our wallets stolen. (laughs) We like don't have any money. I don't even remember what happened for him. Somehow he was able to get something figured out too but we're both just like you know struggling (laughs) to uh kind of make it through i mean this really left a bad taste in our mouth um nom pen was kind of a stressful time i think we were just trying to figure out the money stuff we went to the killing fields which was super depressing Somewhere in there, we also went to this like beach town or this like island town. And it was just like full of a bunch of tourists and like partying. And it was like beautiful. But gosh, I just remember being like, this is not what I want to be doing right now. So pretty much from there, we went to Vietnam. um, And Vietnam became one of my favorite places. We went to Ho Chi Minh. Um, which was just such a fun city. Um, I just loved all the street food. And um, in the park, there would be people gathered around to do like dance workouts together um, or like Tai Chi together. It was it was really, really cool to see. I just really enjoyed that city. And so the thing we really wanted to do was to buy motorbikes and travel the country on motorbikes. It's a really common thing for tourists to do and it's a great way to travel the country. So we were just figuring out where to get motorbikes. And we ended up traveling up the coast. I purchased my motorbike named Wendy. And I ended up connecting with some English people and we made the journey um, from this coastal city, Mune, up to Dalat, which was this beautiful town in the highlands. So it was like a lot cooler there. It was a place they grew a lot of coffee. We went canyoneering. I remember we stayed at this hostel that was just like new and it was full of the most like comfy beds it felt so nurturing to my system it felt really homely it made me realize like wow my body is is really done it just wants to go home and be in routine 
um, the, the people that hosted there had these um, family dinners. They were just so loving and welcoming. It was, it was a really beautiful time. Um, so then my boyfriend was able to buy a bike there. He had taken a bus up to meet me and we headed out of the mountains to the coast and made (sighs) a crazy journey along the highway. It was just like big trucks and construction and loads of traffic. And it was horrible. It was horrible. Um, we ended up like driving at night. Our headlights weren't working super well. We arrived to the next town and were exhausted. We had to share a room with this random Aussie guy because we couldn't find any, you know, rooms ourselves. And this is pretty much what we did for our time in Vietnam. We would just take off on our bikes. We would travel kind of as far as we could that day, or maybe we had a certain destination in mind. And we just show up and then go find a guest house to get a room. And so this took us through beautiful countryside. This took us to small towns and cities where there were no other tourists. And we'd just show up and find a guest house that looked good and get a room, stay for the night. And basically we would wake up, we would drive until we got hungry, we'd find a place to get pho for breakfast. Never was a soup eater for breakfast. And then we drive again, usually until we got to the place we wanted to stay, find a guest house, and then we'd go out and we'd usually get calm for breakfast, which was like a broken rice dish, usually rice with some sort of meat and kind of some veggies. And that was pretty much our routine for this journey up the country of Vietnam. And we made our way on a beautiful, windy mountain road to Hoi An. It's this charming, French-inspired, lantern-filled city along a river. We spent many days there riding bicycles, eating delicious food. We got some tailor-made clothing. We took a cooking class, learned how to make pho, bon xiao. I know I'm not going to pronounce these things correctly, but that became one of my favorite meals. It's these Vietnamese pancakes, these like rice rice flour pancakes that you shove full of like fresh herbs and veggies and often like a barbecued meat and you roll it in a rice paper and dip it in this amazing sauce and it's just the most delicious thing ever seriously my favorite meal to this day is these bon xiao that we ate in hoi an there was a lot of good food food in hoi an um from there we have what I wrote was our worst day on the bikes. Um, we had a beautiful pass to go over, but other than that, we were in heavy rain, heavy traffic. Then we were riding in the dark and we had some bike issues along the way. Um, that I think, uh, my boyfriend's bike might've broken down along this kind of, we're going up a hill. It was dark. It had been raining. We were trying to get to this next little town. I had to go ahead and like go to a guest house and use Google Translate to see if I could get help, which wonderful, wonderful humans there took their like van, went and picked him up. We ended up staying and then he was able to go get his bike fixed the next day. Um, so then <laughs> this is funny because I'm reading this entry and I'm like, 
this was the worst day on the bike. And then I'm like, yesterday, the day marking our final month, so now we're at our final month of travel, turned out to be the most challenging. <laughs> so here we are, another challenging day. I write, we were in rain all day, wet and cold, and we got overcharged at lunch, and then my bike stalled and died. And as my boyfriend turned around to meet me, he crashed on his bike. Oil was leaking out and his bike wouldn't drive. Okay, this is where it actually happened. It was getting dark. <laughs> I had to ride 20 kilometers to the town of Quezon in the dark and fog and rain. I found a hotel and through Google Translate was able to get the dad to drive his car out and pick up my boyfriend and his bike for, oh yeah, 500,000 dong. I don't know what that translates into US dollars. I had to pay. Makes sense. Despite all that, we were in good spirits. We went to that town. We got our bikes fixed up for the journey. We got screwed over by people at the Honda shop next door, which really, really sucked. That is kind of a common thing. Mechanics just trying to screw us over. Really unfortunate. We rode to a different mechanic with 10 Latvian riders outside. Our faith was restored by the kindness of the guys working on our bikes at the small mechanic shop and those who gave us a beer at dinner. It's been rough recently since leaving Hoi An. Um, I, and at this time, I write about how I started to like feel pretty bad, like having headaches, just felt like my body was shutting down, really wanting a comfortable place to be, like my own bed at home feeling just really worn out, tired, and done. So much built-up stress and lack of sleep on top of 11 months of travel all released. Again, during this time, I'm just starting to like really struggle with feeling like I don't have good energy and I don't really have the space to do things I need to like write or do yoga or get movement. And, you know, I had been really reflecting on how I had to create that space, you know, that it was about my mindset and like, what can I do to like get the movement I need or create space to write if I'm not in my normal routine or have having space all to myself um and I just like didn't really feel like doing a lot of those things because I think my system was getting so burnt out so this is when you're like in that fight or flight for so long right that go 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 Right, And it might have been a lot of positive things, but I had been traveling for 11 months. My body had been under a lot. And now I'm starting to just kind of go into that dorsal vagal shutdown. I don't want to do the things that I normally enjoy doing because I'm so fucking exhausted. I'm so tired. Um, and like traveling via motorbike up the country is this like super, you know, adventuresome sounding amazing thing. But it was also extremely stressful. It was hard on the body to sit on the bike for so many hours there was like just scary like stretches of road or as i mentioned like rainy days we're just getting like dumped on when like we're in the dark when we don't know exactly where we're staying that's all a stressor so now i'm just feeding more stress into my system and i'm starting to like shut down i can like hear this now how i'm like starting to feel just absolutely exhausted fatigued my digestion's not working i'm just like burnt out um, and, you know, I'm trying to pep talk myself and be like, I know I'm going to look back at this experience and remember the good parts of it. I know I'm going home soon. I'm going to miss traveling when I'm home. Like, I want to appreciate this while I'm here, etc. Now that I have the knowledge I have now, I might have done something a little bit differently to just really support myself and my system instead of having to just, like, 
push through, but that's okay. It was all a learning process. Um, I just started to really miss routine, woods, nature, having, you know, regular movement practices. I'm talking about how I'm exhausted on all levels, physically, mentally, emotionally. I've hit a wall. My stress and anxiety is at an all-time high. I have little outlets to release it. I can't find space to play guitar. Um, I haven't, you know, done all these different things and tools and resources that I would usually use. Um, So I'm just really starting to feel that. I talk about how I feel like things are starting to like break me more than usual. Like that tough, strong solo woman traveler I was in India was like no longer there. I was struggling to make decisions. I was feeling way more emotional, feeling less confident. And then I was like, but isn't that what I wanted to learn how to be softer, to be more feminine? But I could feel how my mind was racing. My body was tense. I had a stress at all level high, trouble with digestion. And then I broke out in hives. This happened when we got to um, oh, Hanoi. We got to Hanoi, which was a city I absolutely loved. Um, I started to be like really lashing out at my boyfriend and pushing him away. Um, I was really reactive. I remember us having a lot more fights. But yeah, then I broke out in hives. I've never broken out in hives before. And it's the only time I've ever broken out in hives, but I see it as like my stress response again was just at an all-time high. My body was done. So again, I said at the beginning of this, this was just a really kind of like, it was a fun adventure. I remember eating a lot of good food, but like things were getting rough. But also with all of that, I started to realize what I wanted and what I didn't want. So I was seeing like all these tourist travelers, you know, backpackers like me there just partying their faces off. And I was like, I don't want that. That doesn't feel good to me. Actually, drinking doesn't feel good to me. I want my healthy routine back. I want to be doing yoga and journaling and running and playing music and writing and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, It became really clear what I didn't want to live like anymore and what didn't serve me anymore. And I got really focused on what I wanted to call into my life, which I think then, you know, opened up to what I have lived like for the years since then, for the decades since then. So that was actually a really important thing to see because I definitely had a big drinking, partying background. And this was the time it started to really not serve me. I mean, it hadn't been serving me for a while, but this was the time I think I was really truly able to break out of that and really truly feel and see how it was not serving me and how I actually wanted to live. So that was a really positive thing. So a couple more things that I'm trying to remember. Um, There was a time we were biking somewhere and... Uh, these cows were going across the road with a couple humans and my boyfriend had been able to like go around them and was off ahead and as I was coming up to this group 
of cows, you know, about to go around the rear of them as well. This last little baby cow who was at the end last minute decided to turn around and run back across the road in front of me. So I slam on my brakes and, you know, try to screech to a halt, but it's just like too late. And I end up colliding with the cow. Next thing I know, I'm on the middle of the road with my bike on top of me these lovely humans are picking it up and asking okay okay like are you okay and all i can do is go is the cow okay and then the cow's gone it looks like it's fine it's run across the road back with its parents and i just get up i check my body i check my bike i see my boyfriend is long gone he hasn't seen any of this he's way down the road i can't even see him anymore and i'm just like they're all like okay and i'm like okay, like my body's fine, my bike's fine, I get on my bike and I go. Oh, that was funny. Um, Some other things that had to happen there, when I bought the bike, I was told by the other foreigners traveling that you do not stop for the police. Just, you know, if they try to pull you over, you just keep going. I was like, are you kidding me? That sounds terrifying. But the reason being is that they will try to bribe you. Um, So you don't want to be bribed. But the thing is, they can't legally chase you as a foreigner. So they will try to stop you. And, you know, as someone who grows up, you know, in a Western society, you're very used to you you obey the police. You, like, pull over for them or you're going to be in really big trouble. Um, But in Vietnam, I have no idea how it's changed since then. But at least when I was there, they were like, do not pull over for them. And so we had two situations where there were police barricades in the road. One of them was just like on a random windy country hillside. There was just one cop in the middle of the road blowing his whistle and putting out his hand for us to stop. And I'm in the front and I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep going. And I just come up and I go zoop like right around him and just keep going. And I'm like, my heart is racing and I'm full of adrenaline. I'm like, I can't believe I'm just doing that. And I'm looking behind and he's, he's not chasing us. He's not doing anything. And then we had one more situation like that. My boyfriend was in the front this time. And we just went through and it's like such this like, ooh, like stress adrenaline rush. But then also you just kind of like have to crack up laughing after because you're like, I can't believe that I'm able to just do that right now. (sighs) So that was fun. Um, We had this wonderful time in Hanoi. Um, Really just like I loved the city there. There was so much good food. I had some of the best Vietnamese coffee ever. Um, there's this really fun thing that happens at night. It's like called beer hoi. Um, there's all these little like restaurants and even just like random little hole in the wall places that set out all these plastic tables and chairs. They're really like tiny. They look like little kids tables and chairs. They're really close to the ground and tourists and locals alike all gather. It's kind of like this happy hour time and sit and they drink beer. Um, it's like very, it's like $1 beers. They're usually like brewed by that restaurant, a little hole in the wall place. And they get beer and they get like little snacks to eat. And it's just like this happy hour time. And so it's so lively and vibrant. You can like mix and mingle with tourists and locals. And, you know, this is definitely a more touristic part of the city. So there's definitely more hip vibe and locals who are there kind of you know more hip and young and it was just a really fun energy to be around um 
went out a little bit dancing, found you know some favorite places to go and journal, and again, just really good food, really beautiful things to explore in that city. I really, really enjoyed it. We wanted to go up to a place in the mountains called Sapa before we tried to sell our motorbikes, so this was gonna be our last journey um, up to Sapa. There was another place we um, stopped uh, before we got here though, two places. One was called like the Halong Bay of the land and Halong Bay is outside of Hanoi. Um, you should just Google it. It has these beautiful limestone cliffs rising out of the water. It's just absolutely stunning. And so there was this land area that mimicked it. You could ride little boats like through these rivers and canals and caves. And I uh, remember doing that. And I also remember being uh, in an argument during that whole ride because again, my body was shutting down and I was full of stress. And so for, for my boyfriend too, he'd been traveling for a while. Like we were just um, really going through a time. We also made our way to beautiful, like again, countryside places um, where there was no other tourists, just seeing the most incredible landscape. We went to this place that is supposed to be the longest or deepest cave in the world um, and went caving there, which was just so, so special. And Vietnam is really one of my favorite places. The landscape is absolutely stunning. You go through, you know, these mountainous, you know, deep caves and Halong Bay on land to um, these highlands that you can go canyoneering in that have all these beautiful water holes to, you know, the more humid kind of jungle areas to the, the sandy beaches. It's just, it's such a beautiful place. The people were so loving and kind and the food was amazing. So definitely, definitely a place that I love. And it is true that I look back now and I think of all the good times on that motorbike, uh, even though it was really stressful at the time. So Back to Sapa, we're making our last journey up to Sapa. Um, and <laughs> this is like windy mountain road journey. And um, we're kind of on this mountain pass. It's kind of sketchy. There's these like big semi trucks that travel here too. There's a little bit of like, I think like some stop and go. And I don't exactly remember what happens, but somehow my boyfriend crashes into me on my motorbike and like breaks a part of my motorbike and I was like I'm just about to sell it <laughs> like, no <laughs> that was kind of our last motorbike fiasco we made it up to Sapa unfortunately it was more of the wet season so instead of being able to see all the beautiful mountains it was pretty much raining the whole time and super cloudy but it felt good to be up in that kind of climate instead of the humidity that I, I just absolutely hate I just struggle so much with humidity we decided to do a homestay up there. We walked through these hills past rice fields and piglets and children and quaint homes. It was foggy and cold. There were ferns lining the way, which felt like home. Um, it was this quiet, beautiful time in a natural place. We had a guide, uh, this awesome young woman who told me a lot about the minority communities in that area. There was um, a lot we learned about the self-sufficient way of living, how the villages up there grow their own rice and vegetables, chicken, ducks, and pigs. They make their own clothing and embroidery, which takes a year to stitch. They use local plants for herbal baths and medicine. Um, 
after studying, you know, traditional ecological knowledge, um, I was, I always am fascinated in learning more about how different villages, communities, cultures, indigenous communities um, live and work with the land. So that was a really cool thing to see. We were staying in this home and we were watching all these kittens cuddle and children were embroidering and mothers were preparing food. It reminded me a lot of my time in Nepal and my experience staying with uh, that family I did up in that village, Jijebe. Um, And it felt like, you know, kind of what I was supposed to experience here in Vietnam. It was just this taste of life. um, And it was a lot different than the hostels, hotels, and restaurants, and tourist places. And it was a really, really nourishing way to kind of wrap up our time in Asia. Um, So from there, we made our way back to Hanoi, we actually, I think we took like a bus or something and we're able to like ship our boats um, on, or sorry, not our boats, our bikes. <laughs> I'm thinking of Halong Bay and how we went on a boat. We shipped our bikes back on a train and that was the end of our motorbiking. <laughs> we were done. I think we motorbiked for at least a month or probably a month and a half around the country. So we were going to wrap up the last of our time before flying away by going out to Halong Bay. And we decided to get ourselves a nice, because it was the the slow season. There were really good deals on booking like a room on a boat cruise. So we got this really nice room on this boat cruise. We found this killer deal. I don't know how we found it. Um, That gave us like, all the meals it took us to this island where this resort was there was no one on this resort except us and like two other people on our boat and they made this huge like barbecue for us that night we could kayak around oh it was such a nice way to end it like staying at that homestay in sapa and then going out on this boat cruise and halong bay again look it up so beautiful sheer cliffs dropping down into the bay limestone cars jutting out of the water there's i mean amazing deep water soloing there it's absolutely gorgeous as far as your eye can see there's just layers of these limestone cliffs (sighs) so we um really enjoyed that relaxing kind of more luxurious time there and then i think as i did in a lot of my (laughs) last days in a place we return to hanoi and we bought ourselves a really nice hotel room which you know the exchange rate there made it not expensive in terms of like what a suite would be back in the states or somewhere in europe but um it was definitely a splurge for you know what accommodation usually costs there and we just splurged went out to a nice dinner enjoyed that place and Um, celebrated my dad's birthday um, while being in Vietnam and then it was the final days in Asia and I was writing about boarding the plane in two days to go home Um, and reflecting on like what had happened when I left to where I was at now and everything that I had done in that first year um, starting off with truly a climbing trip with my girlfriends in Joshua Tree and Red Rocks to Thailand, Nepal, India, Greece, Malaysia, Cambodia, Vietnam, high peaks of the Himalayas to the seas in Thailand, temples in Cambodia, yoga ashrams in India, motorbiking through Vietnam, 
meeting beautiful people and cultures around the world. And it felt only right to wrap it up on a boat on the water, just as my dad would have loved because he was um, really into fishing and boating. And that was a thing that we both really enjoyed sharing together. So it was a beautiful way to spend his birthday out on the bay in Halong Bay, wrapping up this time, this year that was truly made possible by him. I left totally broke <laughs> financially, went back home, but was so filled up um, by this experience. It was definitely a roller coaster. I was, you know, burnt out, exhausted. My body was um, not in a very good place, but um, I was ready to go on. And I knew at this point that my adventure wasn't over. It was just shifting. I knew I would only be home for a little bit, which was true because next for me was getting to Australia. And that is going to be in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening into these travel stories. Um, they're only going to get deeper <laughs> from here. I'm like thinking about Ooh, what came in the following years. Um, but this first year traveling in Asia definitely planted and watered many, many beautiful seeds that would then go to um, bloom and really shifted my beliefs and perspectives on my life and healing and was so profound and potent and life-changing for me. So thanks so much for tuning into this. I'm excited to get into the next steps. Australia was not an easy time for me. Um, so kind of the theme of what happened here at the end of this trip kind of deepened in many ways, but it was such a pivotal part in um, my gut brain healing journey was my time in Australia. So that's kind of what's up and coming. All right. Uh, well, we will be out with that next episode soon. Again, go check out the show notes if you want to uh, learn more about my upcoming program, Gut Brain Healing Toolkit. I also found an old blog from these travels. I don't think I have anything about this specific episode, but I have some writings about my time in Nepal and India up on that blog, and it's linked below. So if you do enjoy some reading some writing, you can do that. Um, I, I tried to blog about my whole trip that first year, but um, that was very difficult to do, and I only got as far as I did. So um, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you have a regulated and resilient day. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and share it. That helps it reach others who will benefit from this information. So much gratitude for you. Have a beautiful day.